You're listening to Flux, a podcast about design and development. Our crafters will take you on a journey to discover more about digital innovation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of our podcast Flux by Movify. My name is Isabel, and I'm the UI lead at Movify. And I'm Thomas, UX designer here at Movify. Today, we're joined by Kevin Hirsch, who is an iOS developer and accessibility advocate at UmaWeb. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. So today we're going to be talking about all things digital accessibility and why it matters. When we think about accessibility, especially in the realm of digital design, um, we often conflate it with disability. Perhaps you can talk a little bit more about this. Yeah, sure. Uh, indeed, uh, when we think about accessibility, it often rhymes with disability. But uh, accessibility isn't only about uh, disability. Um, I like to give some definition of accessibility, at least in the product and tech industry, uh, which is the practice of ensuring that we create products that can be used by anyone, regardless of their capabilities. So used by anyone, regardless of their capabilities. So it, we're actually talking about usability. We're talking about user experience. So accessibility is really part of usability and providing a great uh, user experience. But like you said, Um, when we think about accessibility, people tend to think about disability. Um, but when we think about disability, okay, let's define what it is. It's an illness, an injury or a condition that makes it difficult for some people to do the things that other people do, other normal people, uh, quoted, of course, uh, can do. And there are four main types of disability. So there's a visual, a motor, auditory, and cognitive. So visual uh, um, disability is quite simple. It's uh, um, not seeing some colors like Daltonian people, uh, not seeing any colors, uh, having a low vision, or being completely blind. There's also motor disabilities where you can get, you can be paralyzed. Uh, you can have lost uh, a body part like an arm or a hand, um, or having Parkinson, for example. There's also auditory disabilities. There it's simple. It's uh, either being hard of hearing or completely deaf. And there's cognitive disabilities like dyslexia, for example. But what a lot of people don't know is that uh, what I've just said is called permanent disabilities. And when we were talking about disability, people usually only think about permanent disabilities. But there are three types Uh, three levels of disabilities. First is permanent, but you also have a temporary and situational. So what does that mean? So for example, a permanent disability would be someone that have lost an arm. A temporary disability could be someone that uh, hurt his, uh, his arm and has to wear an armband for a few weeks or a few months. He's temporarily disabled. And If you are holding your child in your arms or if you are commuting in the metro and you're holding to the to the bar, you are, per the situation, you are disabled at that moment. So there are three kinds of, um, three levels, sorry, of disability. And permanent is actually the smaller one. You have many more temporarily and many more situationally disabled people. That's really interesting, but um, I, I feel like as a designer, I've noticed that when we say accessibility, I don't know if this is the case, um, but it's often kind of more, uh, the focus is more on visually, um, visual impairment and not so much the three other um, levels. Do you know how we can kind of 
um, help designers and developers to kind of look at all the other disabilities that, are, that exist and not just a visually impair impairment? Well, it's true that uh, most of the uh, products are visual. We have user interfaces, so we tend to focus on the visual. But focusing on the visual does not only... Um, um, focusing on accessibility, visual accessibility cannot only help uh, people that are visually impaired, but also like people with dyslexia. If you make mm -hmm. sure that you adapt to the user's preferred text size, mm -hmm. Um, it's not only for people who have uh, low vision, it's also for people that uh, have a hard time to read, yeah. uh, for example. So there's all those things and you also need to make sure that you're using, for example, on a phone, you have um, apps are visual, but they can play sounds, mm -hmm. they can vibrate. So if you have an error or you have a success, um, so what's good there is that you can show it you can yeah. display it but you can also make sure that the phone vibrates mm -hmm. to tell you that there's a success and you can also um, uh, play a sound yeah for example yeah and perhaps maybe we can talk about why why does accessibility matter in in a global sense uh, why why do we go to these lengths to well to if, focus on accessibility if if you're striving for a good user experience Accessibility, as we said, it's making sure that uh, your products can be used by everyone. So we're really talking about uh, usability. Um, and let's let's actually take uh, an example, which is not even a digital, it's a physical example. When you have a building, a grocery store, for example, and you have a few steps to enter the grocery store. Uh, if next to it, you have a entrance slope, it is an accessibility feature because it is made for disabled people. Who exactly? Well, people in wheelchairs. But it will benefit much more people, like uh, parents with their babies in the stroller, mm -hmm. um, elder people, cyclists, and so on. So when you build for accessibility, everyone benefits. So it's not just about accessibility feature. Mm -hmm. We're just talking about improving the usability of your yeah. products. Um, so so yeah. in fact, it can like. Um Uh, it can help more uh, people than you think, more types, more different types than you think. For example, if you just think you're doing the ramp for a wheelchair, you're actually doing it for four other types of uh, wheels, for example. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And this is on top of, uh, of the permanently disabled, mm -hmm. temporary and situationally disabled people. Yeah. Um, I mean... Elder people, cyclists, etc., are not even part of those. Yeah. So when you build for accessibility, everyone benefits because it's just improving the user mm. experience overall. Precisely. So actually, disability is a much broader term than we might think. It's actually yes. not a personal attribute. It's actually a con contextually dependent, you could say, uh, as, yeah. as well as, you know, as a, a accounting for personal attribute, but then also the context in itself. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, people tend to think that accessibility is really only made for disabled people, that it's hard to implement accessibility. And and that's the main reason that products that people make are not accessible. But um, if you want to be inclusive, if you want to be customer-centric, if you want to provide a great user experience, accessibility is just part of the whole package. So, yeah, because there's a lot of uh, different types of inclusive design and accessibility. There's so much. Would you suggest to try and design for everything or kind of because there's, there's so many different types? Yeah. 
or would you concentrate on a few or but where do you start where actually do you start? Yeah. yeah well um it's not that hard to build for accessibility ideally you should focus on um every types of disability if we're really talking about disabilities mm-hmm. um but mainly just by following good practices and making sure you provide a great user experience yeah. it will be 80% of the job to be accessible mm-hmm. um so for example making sure that your uh, website or your app is responsive well just by doing that you make sure that um Uh, people that have a low vision can uh, increase the text size. People that have dyslexia can increase the text size, and so mm-hmm. it's just an accessibility. It's just a sorry, a, a user experience feature. Yeah. Um, but it's also an accessibility feature. Um, and uh, for example, like subtitles. Yeah. Uh, for people that are uh, deaf, well, you need subtitles for them to um, be able to listen uh, to uh, such videos. Yeah. But It's just a usability features and actually has uh, other benefits. Again, it benefits everyone because we see on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube that we have videos that autoplay, and then of course it's muted. So yeah, of course. So they have subtitles. Yeah. So just by building great products, you are accessible, or by making sure that you build for accessibility, mm-hmm. you're actually uh, making a lot of uh, useful uh, features. And specifically from a developer's perspective, how do we, how do you go about, uh, what's the process for uh, designing or from developing uh, accessible products, let's say? Well, you have a set of guidelines. Um, there's something that is called WCAG. It stands for a Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. Uh, we say web, but it's actually everything that has a user interface. So it's uh, mobile apps, it's websites, it's uh, uh, smartwatches. It can be uh, um, smart screens in the car um, or, or smart TVs. Uh, and there's a lot of guidelines that you can follow to make sure that um, that your product is accessible. Um, so how do we do? I think we make sure that when we build the core components, For example, if we're building user interfaces, they're going to have um, components like buttons, uh, titles, texts, um, headers, etc. If we make sure that all those are accessible, well, if you just build your interface already with accessible components, a lot of the job is already done to make your website accessible. The web content accessibility guidelines that you just talked about. Um, so it seems to be like the the Bible for accessibility. Um, kind of, yes. <laughs> kind of. Uh, but I, I find personally, I find this website extremely busy and quite daunting, and can be quite overwhelming for someone who doesn't really know the topic. Um, visually, not very pleasing, basically, for UI designers, I guess, and UX designers. Um, is there an alternative, uh, not not an alternative, but another website that could do the same job, but maybe more condensed, kind of summarize the... What you're probably thinking of, and I agree, the website is is not very, it's it's very accessible, it's very clear, but there's a mm. lot of content. It's yeah. not really, there's no summary mm. there. Yeah. If you want kind of a cheat sheet, Mm-hmm. Uh, that exists. You can find some easily on the web. Uh, for example, the um, the UK government is providing a PDF with just a few pages, okay. and they're kind of summarizing in do's and don'ts. Yeah. And so it's very easy when you're designing. I think at first, whether you're designing a UI or you're developing a, a product as a developer, mm-hmm. 
just look at this cheat sheet yeah. those really uh, big main points and after a while they just become automatic yeah and also after some time um everything all the components that you have built will be accessible so it will be even less work mm-hmm. if you if you had to give like your main do's and don'ts or something like for products such as apps um or websites what would what would they be what's um, like the most important ones to start with i would say the two main ones um would be making sure that you adapt to the user's preferred text size mm-hmm. on websites it's usually by default but on mobile apps most apps don't support adapting to the user's uh, preferred text size and this actually solves already a lot of oh, really? uh, of problems more more yeah, uh, okay. actually, you can just try it out and you'll see that if you ask for a bigger or a smaller text size, lots of people don't, um, don't lot of, lots of apps don't support it. Yeah. And we have run some statistics at, uh, at, the, at Imweb mm-hmm. and we have seen that 30% of our users actually don't want to use the default font size. So it's almost a third of our users. Yeah, and, that's huge. And what's interesting is that we could think, okay, it's just for accessibility, so those people want mm-hmm. bigger text sizes, but a third of those 30% yeah. want actually smaller font sizes. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about pro users that want to have more on screen. Yeah. So again, when you build for accessibility, everyone benefits, not just disabled people, permanently, uh, um, temporarily or situationally disabled people. Um, and the second thing, um, would be to make sure of the color contrasts. Yeah. Uh, it's actually very easy to do. And once you have set your colors, you're good to go to to pick them and, and, and design your websites and mobile apps and any user interface you want. Yeah. I was wondering a bit about how you um, maintain or rather how you first build a, a component library, for example, from maybe this also something that you come into contact with Isabel mm-hmm. a little bit about yeah. how how you build uh, maintain a, a component library within the the realm well, within the realm of accessibility with with trying to be as accessible as possible are there are there a number of criteria that you mm-hmm. um, you I mentioned a few just now uh, color contrast this kind of thing uh, size you're meaning tools or a way to automate the check, making sure we are accessible. Both actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe plugins as well. Plugins, you know? yeah. There's Ways actually, of testing, yes, yeah. There's actually many tools mm-hmm. at each level. So for designers, there are tools mm-hmm. to making sure that color contrast is good. Yeah. So uh, you don't lose time and you have like direct feedback or your color is good. Uh, um, of course, when we're talking about color contrast, it's really back, all every background color and foreground color you, you're using. Um, making sure that every text is readable, mm-hmm. uh, but also on the developer side, uh, making sure that uh, screen readers are working fine, that if there's an image, we have a description of the image. If there's a button, there's a clear label to the button. Um, and um, yeah, there's there's a lot of tools. Uh, and then what you usually do is you use those tools to make sure that you build accessible components, but then there's nothing as good as as real user testing. So usually mm-hmm. we do accessibility audits mm-hmm. from companies that are specialized in that and that check uh, your entire website because it's yeah. one thing to develop accessible components from which you build your website with. Mm-hmm. And it's another thing that the whole website in itself or the whole app in itself is accessible. And usually we find some issues there, then we fix them. And best is actually do real user testing. Yeah. And sometimes you can see uh, uh, problems. I can give you an example. 
um, at Imweb, we had the search page as the main one. And then we changed to a home page. Mm -hmm. And then you had to go to the search. Yeah. But on the mobile apps, you had to go through the whole content of the homepage yeah. before you into the search mm. tab. Yeah. And it was actually impossible for people. They were stopping at some point, mm. thinking that maybe they missed it, going back. And so yeah. they couldn't go to the search function, which is like our main yeah. function at Imweb. Yeah. And so we just added a search shortcut um, on the top bar. And so one of the first thing, one of the first element they go to is the search uh, button, mm -hmm. and then they can go to the homepage, but they know that they can have access to yeah. the search uh, right at the beginning. I'm interested uh, to know, did you get like an external agency to help you with your accessibility, or, or do you have an in-house accessibility team? Unfortunately, we don't have an in-house accessibility team, yeah. but we have uh, some people, mainly in, in, in UX and in uh, research, that are uh, working with uh, such organization yeah. who can organize audits yeah. on one side and also um, actual user testing. Okay. Uh, and it's actually with user testing, real user testing, that mm. we find those those issues. Yeah. Mm. Because the user testing has to reflect who you're designing for, essentially, in order to yeah, find... Yeah, an yeah, and there's a difference between just checking that your app or your website is accessible and, and doing a real scenario using your app um, and making sure that even disabled people can, can use it. Precisely. I wonder if maybe we can talk about the, the, the do's and don'ts, the, the kind of, the, th the three things maybe that you find that, uh, that are recurring and that best are barriers. Yeah, best yeah, practices. Be, yeah. Be, best practices and guidelines. Mm. Well, in a um, nutshell. Yeah, in a nutshell. Well, obviously, the text size, adapting to this perfect text size is super important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, it's not only about the text size, it's just about making sure the website is responsive. Um, and so that if um, everything needs to get bigger images, icons, mm -hmm. uh, text, obviously, buttons. Uh, every important information needs to get bigger. And uh, sometimes by getting bigger, you have um, elements that are, for example, texts, making sure that text displays on several lines and that everything is displayed, uh, that it's not constrained on one line and then you just have an ellipsis. And instead of, I don't know, apartment for sale, you just get mm. apartment, three dots. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, then you, you actually really lose the yeah. You, yeah, you lose the information and, and yeah. your, your product just becomes unusable for yeah. those people. Um, and making sure that maybe you have two elements side to side and they are just compressed when they are very big. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can just switch the layout to a vertical layout so they are one on top of each other and they have yeah. more room to be fully displayed. Um, another thing which is very important but actually very easy to do is what we call using different signals to deliver an information. Mm -hmm. Seems complex, but it's very easy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say you have a link. You're on a website, you have some text. Inside the text, you have a link. Usually, nowadays, what we do is only use a color to signify that there's a link. So the only signal to tell you the information that there's a link is the color. But if you're colorblind, or if you don't see the difference between the color of the text and the color of the link, you don't know that there's a link. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you're losing the signal and you're just losing the information. So what we do yeah. is we're going to add another signal. For example, it is a standard, is using an underline. So if you have a link which has a color mm -hmm. and which is underlined, um, well, now at least if you don't see colors, you still see that there's an underline and you see that there's a link there. And even if you do see colors, it's even more easier at a glance to see where are the links. 
This is quite recurring with, for example, error messages. I've, I've noticed uh, if you just use the red color yes. for an error message and without an icon, um, people some people can't see it. So that's exactly. what we exactly. need to try and yeah. do. Yeah. Could be easily have missed. Yeah. Visual aids. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because you can have hints, you can have warnings, mm -hmm. you can have errors in the form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's hard for people that do not see colors to differentiate. Yeah. And again, like we discussed, you can also add vibrations when there is an error, yeah. like a vibration error. Mm -hmm. Um, or uh, even the sound. Yeah, yeah, uh, we can't we can't forget about that because as yeah. designers sometimes we forget about all these other. Yeah, yeah. Usually, like you say, design is really about visual. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, usually we try as developers to to express those because we're more experts of our platform. So yeah. as mobile developers, we know what we can do on on mobile side, and we know that. Um, What are the good practices? Well, on the mobile experience is, um, you can see that the phone usually vibrates, usually have a spe specific vibration mm -hmm. for success, specific vibration for um, for error. Error, yeah. Yeah, um, so we tend to try to use those. Yeah. Okay, um, so to conclude this uh, second episode, we might ask you a last question. Um, maybe what, could you give us maybe, um, apart from obviously ImaWeb, what other website or, or app uh, uses um, accessibility successfully? Do you have any reference? Um, it's a very good question. <laughs> I would say if you are searching for good examples, yeah. you can actually use the native iOS applications. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, yeah. No, for real, like try uh, using Safari, try using messages. Yeah. Um, and there are very good examples uh, yeah. of, of how accessibility should be handled. And mm -hmm. sometimes when we are developing our products and we're thinking, yeah, okay, there's a list there, maybe there's many elements, how, how should it adapt when text gets bigger? Yeah. Then we actually just look at how Apple did it yeah. um, and uh, and usually you have your answer there. Okay. Um, so well, of course yes. I'm talking about Apple, but Google is also making a lot of uh, efforts and is getting better and better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On Android. Material you now. Yeah. Yes, it's yes. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming in and speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank It was you. a pleasure. Have a great uh, evening. You too. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Flux. If you like this episode, subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.